Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, Uh, tonight in the studio, you've got me, this is Liza. Whoop, there it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Running the board tonight, it's everyone's favorite ginger, it's Bagel. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> On the classy girl couch is everyone's second favorite ginger. It's Brandon. Yay. <laughs> Do you have ginger envy with a uh, with bagel? Well, now that he's whipped it out, maybe a little. <laughs> <laughs> and over uh, riding the rolly chair, Jim's chair, it's Henry. Hey, what's up? He's not here, so Henry got the good chair. Mm-hmm. We got the one pivoting captain's chair. And it's going to make all the noise, too, throughout the podcast. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Hey, um, I wanted to cover some news. I know we don't often cover news, but there's a lot going on. And I'm yeah. going to call this uh, segment the unfortunate news. Mm. A lot of unfortunate news. Uh, first thing up, uh, they've decided to cancel the motorcycles at next year's Pikes Peak. Yep. 20, 2020 yeah. Pikes speak i believe this has much to do with um the death of carlin dunn have, have they said that or well it's it not just, just carlin right yeah we've just, had three now that have died on the track in the past uh just a couple years yeah well carlin's the only one recently at least yeah carlin went off this year he was actually on track to beat all of the car records as well he was yeah. really moving fast yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah and i i'm hoping that they're just taking a year off to to reassess safety and and you know to, to try and make the race safer and come back later so that's what the officials say they're they're intending to do see what kind of an impact it has on the organization and the race itself and then make a decision if they should bring the motorbikes back in or if it's something that you know they don't really miss when they're gone mm-hmm. so on other unfortunate news um we're gonna continue is uh bikes and wires wires are, are Ooh, this is yeah, a dangerous situation so we mentioned Ooh. um our friend brian uh, like it's been over a month now mm-hmm. that he got taken out by some wires across the freeway and he is t- recovering from yep. his those injuries which is great i think he'll have Almost a full recovery. I mean, there's going to be surgeries in his future, but... He looks like he's doing pretty good. He definitely... Relatively speaking for relatively what he went speaking. through. Relatively yeah. speaking. Unfortunately, not for another biker recently here in Santa Cruz yeah. uh, this weekend. Some more lines down, and um, somebody came around a corner and found a... Um, I think it was like about 64, like a, a gentleman on a BMW GS... Uh, dead in the road unfortunately no bike on the side of the road and a biker in the in the road uh since he's riding a gs chances are fairly good he was pretty well uh geared up Mm -hmm. but um i think this is a case where somebody had called it in earlier yeah and but nobody had made it out to you know close the road or put up any signs or anything right 
Wow, wait. So somebody called it in and didn't stick around with the guy well, laying we, in the road? We what? don't know that. No, no. Uh, called uh, in that there were wi- low wires. Oh, I see. Right. And But before anybody can come out, the motorcyclist came through and hit him. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, which is unfortunate. And, you know, I want to say, like, hey, look out for wires, but... Um, you know, that's something that's hard to do, but it happens, and it really sucks. Uh, continuing that's, that's our a bummer. unfortunate... Mm. Oh, and joining us now, it's Knock. Sorry, guys. Hi. I had to get tacos. I was dying. I hadn't eaten all day, so... In your defense, we started a little early. Okay. He was doing burrito jobs in the back alley. Burrito jobs. That's what we call them. Well, Taco Handies. No. <laughs> you don't even know what that is. I don't know what that is. It's a new thing now. Okay. Gross. Uh, hold on, I have to scrub my brain. Rubbing all that ground meat. (laughs) (laughs) Lime juice in your eye. All right, for the the last. Your own funds. For the last bit of unfortunate news, Mm -hmm. uh, we have the Times Square backfire. Yeah. This is so bizarre. I mean, and it's unfortunate with all the shootings that have been happening Mm. that um, a bike. There was a group of motorcyclists traveling through Times Square, and uh, one of the bikes backfired. It just, it happens. And actually, there were police there who saw the bike backfire and knew Mm -hmm. it was a bike. So they didn't react, but the crowds in Times Square just reacted as if it was gunfire. Was it an ev- what kind of an uh, event was it? Was it just well, no, like, it's Times Square. Times Square oh, Times is just Square, packed just, all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No yeah. event, but it started just a mass like exodus and people running for their lives. And I bet people got trampled, didn't they? I don't know if they got trampled. I'm sure people fell down. It a lot of people bad. were running into businesses and hiding. And just the fact that something as simple as a, a backfire could create that much chaos. Loud pipes scares lives. That's, <laughs> that's pretty much exactly. it. That's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, there you go. There's the unfortunate news. Um, in new news, we had some guests come by today. Indeed. Uh, Where are they? Are they still out and about? They No, they, they took off. Okay. Uh, Aaron and Olivia came down, mm. and they left something here. Little oh, was it an upper decker in your toilet? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be oh cool God. if we were. <laughs> no, so, um, hey, shout out to Aaron and Olivia. They are from Canada, eh? And they are traveling around. Uh, they're doing it right. They've got yeah. a pickup truck with a bike in the back, an MT-07. Mm-hmm. Nice bike. And then one of those little mini trailers. Yeah, just teardrop. Big, teardrop. teardrop. Yep. And they're traveling around and, and unloading and riding around when they're local and, yep. and experiencing the U.S., but on one of their um, hikes in the woods, they we, came across a kitten. We love Canadians. We they're do. So cool. They're so nice and cool. Oh, yeah. I know. They usually yeah. come in the winter. We don't get summer Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's up with that? Except for the geese. Yeah. But um, they came across a kitten in the woods yeah. that had probably been abandoned there. Mm. He was kind of skinny, and he came up to them. It's meow. Did you give it a name yet? Uh, they named it Steve. Oh, okay. That's a yep. good cat name. Steve. Hmm. Steve the cat. I'm renaming him Little Stevie Wonder. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so, yeah, we have a new cat here at the compound. He's super sweet. Yeah, Little Stevie Wonder. So, thanks, guys, for that. Um, I wanted to... Let's see. We got a bunch of stuff. You know what, Brandon? Yeah. We haven't we haven't caught up with you in a while, mm-hmm. and you've got a, some stuff going on. I've been a little bit busy. You have been busy. 
you want to tell us what you've been doing? So for those who remember, uh, or for those who don't remember, Brandon, you uh, run DigiNow. Yep. So you're another one of the electric wackadoos. Yep, I'm a, I'm a big nerd. But we also recently broke your cherry. Your That's right. Your petrol cherry. Yeah, you corrupted me bad. <laughs> yes. It's, it's awful. I'm uh, riding about... On a petrol bike at the moment. Uh, <laughs> you dirty, dirty man. The uh, the reason for that you is... You whore. Oh, but it's so good. <laughs> um, That's all that counts. That's all that matters. <laughs> but uh, so the reason I'm riding on a petrol is because uh, I'm going to be doing an iron butt on the Energica SS9. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is at the factory getting checked over, making sure the oil and everything is all done. Like there's a 600-mile service that has to be done to it. So, and I wanted to recap because... Because you just rattled that off like, oh, I'm just I'm gonna do this. What's yeah. a 600 mile entail? Do they like swap out engine oil or uh, coolant oil? Yeah, it's coolant oil, engine oil. They check for the types of shards that are in there because you know you have to break in the straight cut gear. Yes, uh, for the right. the gearbox there. Yeah, uh, and that's about it. Uh, there's also checking to make sure there were no faults. Uh, that happened in the first 600 miles if there were you know sure. what is it how do we fix it sort of thing cool. so um yeah you just like i said you just casually mentioned that you're going to do an iron butt how many mm-hmm. people have done an iron butt uh 67,000 but there's uh, on only, an electric <laughs> there is one other person that has done an iron butt on an electric oh, geez, sorry one other person that's right and who is that person Terry is the only other person who's done it knock I'm gonna throw dildos at you sorry this phone is doing weird shit it's not (laughs) porn I swear it's called the volume button there you go fuck but hold on you're next can you hand me the dildo so I can throw it at you (laughs) the solid piece of wood (laughs) so our own electric Terry is the only one on electric to do an iron yep in in 2012 he had a bike that weighed about a thousand pounds Mm -hmm. it started out as like a 250 pound zero hmm. and uh he strapped on like six other bikes worth of batteries <laughs> he welded Shit. up a new frame to hold a more powerful motor uh he worked with craig vetter to build aerodynamics for mm-hmm. the bike and uh it was it was a massive undertaking that he took and he was able to do it with i think a couple of hours to spare yeah oh nice and he had extra chargers on board and everything too. oh yeah yeah he was totally suited up that was like the iron man of motorcycles highly yeah. modified yeah mm. so uh what are you gonna do to do an iron butt uh so i'm gonna take uh an energica ss9 off the showroom floor and go ride a thousand miles but specifically i'm gonna go down to LA and start from there. I'm going to start at the top of the grapevine. I'm going to head up towards Sacramento, around Lake Tahoe, then into San Francisco, through the center of the state, and uh, probably end up in San Francisco at the end. And are, So you're not going to do any additional streamlining or anything like that? Mm-hmm. You're not going to have additional batteries? No, no. I'm just like I said. I'm gonna go and take a bike off the showroom floor. Like anybody could do this, uh, if you're crazy enough to do a thousand miles. But uh, I'm looking at about 23 hours to do it, and I'm gonna be using EVgo charge stations. I've got uh, 24 of them picked out, and hopefully I'll only have to use like 14 of them. You know, for many people, um, they can't fathom doing an iron butt because of how much time you have to sit in the saddle Mm -hmm. to complete it. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. For me, I can't imagine doing it on electric for how much time I'd have to sit in a parking lot (laughs) waiting for it to charge. So it's actually not that bad now. This is the reason uh, I'm interested in doing it. It's about a 20-minute charge. So I'll I'll stop every, like, 
somewhere between 40 and 100 miles are my stops, depending on how the stations are laid out. So it mm-hmm. does take a little more planning than with a petrol bike. Yep. But uh, once I pick my stops out, I ride for about an hour and I stop and charge for about 20 minutes. And this is possible here in California because of the infrastructure we have now. Yeah, it's actually possible in most of the country except for... Uh, the breadbasket. So, like, middle America mm-hmm. is a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. I know, I don't even know if there are any charging stations. No, there's one charging station in South Dakota. That'd be the hardest state <laughs> to do it in. Yeah. So, I mean, this wouldn't be even possible maybe like six years ago, seven years ago, the way that you're doing it. No, as no. This, this wouldn't have been work. possible three years ago. Maybe. Oh, shit. Okay. And uh, so these bikes, actually, if you consider the bike as well, it wouldn't have been possible until 2015 because mm-hmm. these bikes were released in 14, but the infrastructure wasn't there to do it. I mean, it's like back in the carton wagon days of whatever like <laughs> yeah. where they stop at the apothecary to get some yeah. juice to mix up to make their thing go yeah what yeah. kind of Bottom trojan heroin? does the energy can have what like kind what of levels i heard trojan so what what, what kind <laughs> of energy, level charging energica. uh i see yeah it, it's so the bike is energica it rhymes with america just change the c to a g you got it energica. yeah there you go uh so the charging that the energica has is uh 22 kilowatts of uh dc charging it's the big things that all the electric cars use it's called level three charging Mm -hmm. um right now it's the only bike that has it and when the harley starts to get released either the end of this year or the beginning of next year it's also going to have it okay so you are planning this when is this going to happen uh probably next week i think holy shit well, what? at very least, I'm going to do uh, another practice run because I did one practice run starting at the ranch. We hit uh, all sorts of uh, construction and traffic jams and things like that. So I adjusted the route with Morgan's help, and uh, we're going to test that. I might accidentally set it, uh, but the goal is just to make sure there's no problems on the run, and then I'll go and do like a real hardcore run. Mm. Uh, I'm hoping to be able to do it in like 20 hours. Okay. And can people follow you? Yeah, I'm going to do live stream on my Facebook, uh, which is RIA Evangelist. Uh, And that's going to be one of the main ways. Then we're going to be taking drone footage, and uh, we might stream it live on YouTube as well. All right, so I assume you're going to send it to us so we can share it on on our Facebook page. Because it's kind of a big deal. It's pretty cool. Like to actually be able to buy a bike that can do this now it it means that electrics are turning into a real bike mm-hmm. yeah uh, yes but you've been riding petrol bikes yeah so i went a decade of riding only electric so i've never been on petrol bikes until uh liza wore me down over like a year and a half she'll fucking do that too oh boy like slow 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 she found this one weak moment and i'm like okay let's do this i popped his cherry (laughs) (laughs) um i just find it funny that right now as we're like on the perch of the electric bikes really transitioning into being what we want them to be Mm -hmm. to match the the logistics of of petrol bikes is now Mm -hmm. when you're discovering petrol bikes and some of the differences now but you are still discovering that there are 
there's still some uh, advantages to gas bikes. There are some advantages to each one of them. Uh, one of the big things I've noticed is that there's this huge rift between petrol and electric hardcore riders, right? Um, you have the electric guys who are like, oh, no, I could never ride one of those because it's got a clutch and it makes noise. And then You used to be that guy. No, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so since yeah, you did yeah. that, uh, now I'm riding a uh, Bex's Triumph uh, 955i, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's really good actually. Like everybody says that it's top heavy and uh, that it shifts hard. Uh, for me, it's really really easy to shift, and since I've been riding the Energica, it's you know a hundred pounds lighter than the Energica is, so. Mm. It feels like a light bike to me, and uh, it's a blast to ride. Uh, we mm-hmm. did have to disassemble a big chunk of it to find an oil leak. Um, <laughs> as it turns out, riding really fast on petrol bikes uh, can result in things falling off. Uh, that's not usually oh, that's the that case. Bike. That, oh, okay. that bike. Um, oh. But you did discover one advantage. One advantage that we don't think of as an advantage, mm-hmm. but push starting oh man so i let the battery die on the petrol bike i'm so used to i got like enough battery to run a house for a day i leave the bike on when i stop it happens almost all the time and people walk up and they're like oh hey just so you know your lights on i'm like ah ha ha yeah great i got a 13 kilowatt battery what do i care you don't have that on a gas bike no Uh, you don't (laughs) so after about like 10 minutes of being at the shop this morning callum or morgan are like did you mean to leave your lights on i'm like Oh, no. That you should probably check to see if your bike... It doesn't start. So we put it on the tender, right? And we let it go until it was time to come up here. And then I'm riding with Callum. We stop at uh, the first charge station for him. And I do it again. Oh, no. Only now, oh. we're not at the ranch. Oh, no. We don't have a tender for the bike. Yeah. Uh. And I don't know what I'm doing with petrol. Thank God he does. Like, it's can, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Can you jumpstart it from zero? <laughs> well, no, we were going to try and push start it. So I made Callum push me across an entire parking lot. <laughs> uh, and then uh, he let go and I released the clutch and it didn't start. Uh-huh. And uh, he's a really smart kid. So he's like, were you holding down the start button? No, no, I wasn't. Hold- okay, you got to do that. Otherwise, it's not going to start, dude. Uh, mm. So we did it going the other way. And the bike turned on. Hmm. So uh, during the whole process, I'm like, fuck petrol bikes. This is it. I had to take this one apart. <laughs> the batteries died on it twice. And now I'm stranded with an electric bike that's charging. <laughs> So I had that experience, but then once we got it going, I'm like, okay, well, it's not so bad. You, you have more problems, but you can also fix them pretty easily. Did you turn mm-hmm. off your bike when you got here? Yeah, I checked. <laughs> I checked like three times, Good man. call, now. Good call. <laughs> the only thing is you want to be careful when you're bump-starting a fuel-injected bike. Yeah. Because it'll, Why is that? You'll, it'll, it'll send like weird error codes to the ECU and it'll, uh, like, fuck okay. it up. Yeah, because okay. it has to have enough power to, to pressurize the fuel system for it to start. Yep. So if the battery's that dead, it won't be able to do that and it it either won't be able to start or it'll cause all sorts of errors. And I see. So the fact that we were able to get it started sort of means we, we jumped ahead of that, thankfully, or? Uh, probably the battery may not have been that dead. Yeah. You know, we're still able to run the fuel pump but mm-hmm. just not turn the starter. Yep, yep. So. Yay. I also learned some other things. Yeah. yeah. I like shifting. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so accelerating with 
the and then upshifting using the clutch mm-hmm. that's awesome mm-hmm. um and i got that down and then i got the downshifting thing down slowing down on a petrol bike way harder than on yeah. uh, an electric because mm-hmm. yeah like you can steer the bike with the back when it starts to slide from downshifting um <laughs> yeah it's not supposed to do that but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's great it's great but uh you don't really get that on an electric you have to break the loot the rear loose with torque mm-hmm. uh but so there was that and then i learned about downshifting without the clutch Mm-hmm. Right, oh, yeah. I gave it just this Pre-preload. little little bit of feel on the thing, and then it slipped right into gear. I'm like, yeah. wow, that's awesome! Yeah. Um, I also discovered downshifting, blipping the throttle right before you downshift. Yeah. It makes a downshift really, really smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, that was cool. But the coolest of all was uh, upshifting without using the clutch. Mm-hmm. So. Like, I tried it a couple times when uh, Emma said, nope, it's probably good if you understand the balance between RPMs and matching everything when you upshift. And uh, I figured, well, you know, the bike will tell me if I can't upshift this way by not letting me do it. Right. And that was the case for, like, two or three times. Then once I figured out it's not about chopping the throttle, it's about rolling the throttle off. Mm-hmm. Right, as you're rolling the throttle off at the right RPMs, yep. it just slips right back in the gear, and then you get back on it. Yep. Um, this is upshifting. Yeah, that was upshifting, yep. and that was a lot of fun because since <clears throat> you uh, unbal- imbalance the bike real quickly on uh, the rear suspension, mm-hmm. you get like this shake <laughs> as you accelerate off, and yeah. uh, that's fun too. So now that we're talking about the advantages you're discovering in the petrol bikes. What are the the disadvantages that you're discovering compared to an electric? Oh, well, so first off, it's... Uh, Besides it's leaving the headlight on. <laughs> there, there's a couple things. One, it it uh, doesn't leave the light quite as quickly. I'd like to try it with a leader bike mm-hmm. um, and maybe race launch it um, to see okay, how that not feels. not my bike. <laughs> no, no, no. I, but need, I also need someone knocks. to show me how, right? Because I don't know how to do it on a petrol bike. Yeah. Uh, so you mean leaving, how to dump the clutch? I don't want to dump the clutch. I want to do a proper it's, launch. It's a rapid release. You don't really actually dump it. Rapid controlled release. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but there's got to be a way to balance that out so you, you can get the fastest launch for a petrol Isn't engine. Isn't that something you guys take a pill for? Yeah, that's, yeah. A, they, they do make that. that's not a pill. It's a petrol. salve that you rub on your junk. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so taking off from a stop, uh, slowing down also seems to be a disadvantage on a petrol. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Much more controlled and uh, rapid mm-hmm. on an electric. Um, the maintenance that's necessary on a petrol, uh, I'm not such a fan of, but it doesn't seem to be too, too terrible. Um, and... Actually, believe it or not, I think that at least that Triumph is quieter than my Energica when you're riding it. Um, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's different. Yeah. The Energica does make quite a bit of noise, though. Yeah. yeah. It, it's awesome. It's very raw. <laughs> um, I, I'd say, you know, I think you made reference to, like, um, pe- petrol versus electric motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's not that so much. There are divides within the motorcycle community. I think... Mm. Most of us understand. Sorry, Bagel, but um, oh no, when, oh, no, 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 no! Oh, most on. of us understand. Scooter hold trash. On, hold on. No, when you have like a group ride, and then like you get the one person shows up on the scooter, and you're just like, ah, now we got to go slow. Or you get the one person shows up on the you. Harley with a with a peanut tank, and you're like, fuck, we got to get gas every sixty miles. Or you get the guy on the electric bike, you're like, damn. Or now we're gonna have to stop and wait for twenty minutes while they charge. It's like or, it's just another mm-hmm. level of convenience. Or you get 
get the guy in the chopper with a raked fork going up into the twisties. Yep. Uh. Yeah. Or you, or you get the Can-Am, which I'm still trying to figure out why I think that's bad. But now, now they're not so bad. And then they do kind of got their own pace. It's just a different pace. Yeah. They can't split. And that's, they can't split. Exactly. The so there are all these divides when you're mm-hmm. riding with a group of people. And electric, you kind of need to ride with your own kind. <laughs> oh, my God. Well. What? It's true. He knows it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is one of the things. vehicles. I got that. I got quoted by some article uh, last week about this iron butt thing saying, I just want to share with people that electric bikes don't suck anymore. Um, oh, you got in trouble for that, didn't you? No, it's it's actually kind of true. Before, there was a divide where you had to stay with your own kind, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of petrol bike friends that I rode with because I couldn't, right? Brandon, I'd have to it stop. Wasn't, it wasn't the bike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Well, they make a salve for that. So. <laughs> but now uh, I've got a lot more petrol bike friends that I can actually ride these things with uh, as the manufacturers are putting in faster charging for them. Uh, so it's not quite as much of a divide. You do have to stop. Uh, it's best to ride with people who uh, have cafe racers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's not something that's unbearable for people to ride. It's more like you were talking about with, okay, Scooter has showed up or somebody's going to be riding a chopper in uh, the twisties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was that person before. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, hey, you're yeah. a bit of an asshole. <laughs> what? <laughs> did she have like uh, a big, long, ranked front end bike? Yes. Had, yeah, she really? Yeah. Yes. Did you have chopper. a front brake? Yes. Okay. Wait, do some and of those guys not have front brakes? Yep. Yeah. No. They no. Just Why? Up. Because it'll put too much. F- That's the chopper culture. You don't need it. Really? Use the rear brakes. All the weights in the back, anyways. All the stopping powers in the rear. So and it's yep. long. Generally wow. speaking, plus like you just got to think about what the fuck you're doing, and like it's not cool to not ride a death trap. That's just how that works. <laughs> I see. I see. So, um, you're having fun though, trying different bikes. Oh, yeah, it's a it, blast. It is like a drug, and it it really makes me see that like they're all just motorcycles. Who gives a crap what it's powered by? Like, yeah. also, who gives a crap if it's a chopper or a cafe or a sport bike? They're they're bikes. You pick the one that's fun for the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and once we get more and more charging stations, mm-hmm. which you might have something to do with. Yeah, we just made our first uh, prototype of the new charging station, which is, you know, 1.21 gigawatts of power. <laughs> and, uh, Great, Scott! Yeah, so we actually ran a 30 kilowatt charger off of mains power at the ranch. Wow. Um, wow. That's like getting into the level of uh, supercharging at home nice so stuff like this and the price that we're working on them at normally they cost like a hundred grand to get something installed we're looking at less than ten thousand dollars to get these and install well, them That's so awesome. before you were making um chargers that go on the bike for mm-hmm. quicker charging but yep. you're now pivoting yeah and yeah. going into making charging stations correct i realized that a single manufacturer product was not mm-hmm. a way to make a business that was going to last forever uh the oems like i said earlier they're getting into putting faster charging on the bike uh zero's now got up to 12 kilowatts of charging power mm-hmm. which is what i was offering anyway mm-hmm. yeah um and so they clearly see the need for it and that means they're going to charge uh, ahead at full speed um so for a couple of different reasons, I decided to move into something that was not only one single manufacturer focused, but 
was also not just for motorcycles, right? Because if mm-hmm. I want to have a successful business, it's got to fit in with cars as well. Mm-hmm. You got you got IP patented and all that business? Uh, not right down. now. Um, you do have I've, stuff that's like uniquely yours, right? That yeah, you but I don't like to patent stuff if I know that it's going to be changing quickly. So I've talked to a couple mm-hmm. patent attorneys and they're like, look, ah. it's a two-year window where because you patent it, people will steal your stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're changing the tech by the time that two-year window is over, it means at the end of the two years, after you've already moved on to some new tech, you're then going to have to spend a whole crap ton of money suing people. Or trying to defend your... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And, you hear that, people? Go ahead. Make your own. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's a great decision. I mean, that's really the thing that is most lacking to make uh, electric bikes and cars mm-hmm. really take off is the infrastructure for charging. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to make more affordable chargers, you're you're on the button, dude. Oh man. Like to bring the stuff that you get when you're out in public to your own garage or to like your works garage or whatever, that's gonna be a huge game changer for this industry. I mean, every parking lot should have one, right? Yep, so should every bar. Yeah. <laughs> And back alley for knock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I want that power, baby. Well, I definitely want to keep keep following. This is pretty cool. Um, and uh, let's see. We'll, yeah, send us some. Make sure you send us the updates on the Iron Butt. This oh man, is, it's going to be so news. much fun. <laughs> I, I, I I'm weird. Okay, I, I like this. It's like a maybe a form of masochism, but like just to show that it can happen. With a regular bike, that's so exciting for me. Yeah. Uh, are you going to have anyone ride along with you? Yeah, I'm probably going to have a drone pilot come along and, um, I don't know, maybe like a charge station blocker. I might have somebody that comes <laughs> along to, to just block off the wow. station. Hmm. That makes so sense. That makes sense. All right. Yeah, you have the guy go ahead like 20 minutes or something and uh, maybe longer than that. Poach it or something. Yep, but you yep. can always unplug somebody if you need. <laughs> oh, man. So on the practice route, when we did 821 miles in 23 hours, I think, for the practice, it was great. But there was one lady. Mm. Like, she was plugged in with her leaf, and she was at 90% power. The stations start to slow down and be, like, unusably slow over Mm. 80%. I'm like, hey, lady, if you don't leave, I'm going to be stuck here for another hour waiting for you. And uh, she's like, well, my my son is mentally handicapped, and so I can't move to the next station because that would upset him. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you for making me feel like shit, but uh, why don't you go to another station? Um yeah, provided I don't run into any of that, I'll be okay. Yeah. Good job, Brandon. Good job. All right, so we'll follow that. Um, meanwhile, I wanted to give a Whirlwind update. Mm-hmm. I haven't really talked about um, Women Writers World. We you talk about it every week. What are you talking about? Not that much. Right. Um, it's been in Southeast Asia, and um, they they're rock stars. They yeah. really are. You were telling me about um, this earlier. The, yeah, the women like we have much smaller amounts of women, and in, in many cases, it's mm-hmm. like. Four or five is a large group. Yeah. yeah. Um, at one point, we had one woman who had to ride by herself many days mm. to carry the baton. And so we're talking about, really, um, Myanmar, um, Laos, and Thailand. Um, I can't believe it's really that far. I just wow. think about it, but damn, yeah. So right now, it's in Malaysia. 
Yeah. And they've been riding in like monsoon season, like torrential downpours, the whole Whoa. thing. They've been having to ride with um, escort, like uh, clubs or, or, or people in cars going with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had to ride at night in the rain to stay on schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really done Crazy. it. And in Malaysia, it is a big um, Muslim holiday right now. Yeah, Ramadan. Uh, they are. They're like, hey, you're you scheduled it on our holiday. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, and uh, they, but they, she, so she said, I don't think we'll have a lot of people sign up. But they got, there's like four of them. Well, um, right now, as we're sitting here, I have been getting um, messages. Oh. And unfortunately. More bad news? What's going on like here? Our ambassador of Malaysia is in the hospital. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. A broken leg, it looks like. Wow. She's in a splint. Um, she's in a splint, and she has a hole in her leg. A Ooh. hole? Whoa. How? Ye- there's a hole in her leg. Yikes. That's a hole. That's a hole. Uh, I hope I hope that's not a hole from a bone. God damn. Um, oh, compound. Yikes. Not uh, a fun time, sister. Well, I hope she's all right. Fuck, dude. Like, yeah. well, so what's I can't happen? get my I can't get my messages right now. I'm on the show, but there's a bunch of messages on here. Oh. Anyway, um, she just wait. This just literally happened an hour ago. Right their time. That is right a now. badass God lady. Damn. As we're sitting here, I'm getting these messages because I'm following this as I go, and I keep getting updates. And oh, shit. Um, she's leaning um, over the hole in her leg in the splint with a big smile, waving. Like you can see, she's waving really fast too because her hand is blurry. Okay. And she said that. Um, she out. said, "Sorry, <laughs> I failed." to continue but the convoy is moving on oh good okay i guess the thing is the the baton's moving the baton is moving and she's in the hospital i don't know how bad it is but uh i'm gonna have to keep if 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 i go silence because i'm checking in on this yeah no they've got good medical care Um, she'll be all right i hope it's going through malaysia and then it's going to go down to singapore and indonesia Mm. and uh, same thing we're getting like these just amazing women coming out and and keeping up with the mission of like it must keep going it must keep going mm-hmm. that was yeah. one of my concerns that people might you know say oh, you know i kind of got a cold i don't feel good like well, well you okay. can't get but much they get harder it. they get it mm-hmm. yeah and they must keep moving on and everyone feels that urgency obviously they've got it set up to where like if one rider goes down they've got another one to take it right i mean it's not just one person well, per country or whatever well and no we number. did have one rider just one, oh, yeah. Yeah, she had to ride um, like five days by herself and then home five days. Wow. Damn. I think that was in Laos. Um, Goddamn. Nilaman is her name. Wow. Total Big rock ups star. to Nilaman. She's a gangster. And then this is uh, <laughs> this is Noor in Malaysia. Hmm. And she's actually a moto journalist. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, who travels around the world, actually. Hmm. Um, so she's been a rock star for us. But Rad. the fact that it's a holidays there... Um, yeah, you couldn't get much harder than a Muslim holiday in a primarily Muslim country. Yeah. Right. They're just so amazing me how they are just keeping it going. And again, motorcycling is not a big thing. And they're riding small bikes there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of them are like on two fifty stuff like that. That two fifty is a large bike in these places. Yep. Um so total rock star and Colette, uh the uh, South African Australian, <laughs> <just> confusing. <laughs> Colette Tyndall Edeline, who's been doing the entire 
world. She mm-hmm. started in Scotland. She's on the route with them right now. Oh, wow. So no doubt she is continuing with the baton. Um, and they just left poor Noor at the hospital. I'm sure someone's taking care of her. But anyway, yeah. that's the where we're update. Um, it's going to be coming here. I'm going to be picking up the baton end of September. So there's going to be three hmm. weeks where I'm gone and we haven't really yeah. discussed what's going to happen. Wow. Mass <laughs> chaos. Uh, big old knock. Uh, we start realizing how not important you are. You're going to come back and the whole place is just burned down. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you know, and I, I mentioned this before, I hinted at it before, and we haven't done the official announcement, but I'm going to come out and say that India Motorcycles is officially sponsoring Women Riders World Relay wow, uh, nice. in the USA. Good the whole job. deal or just you? No, the whole the whole country. God. Way wow. to go. Goddamn, sister. And they're providing uh, some of us bikes to ride, uh, some of the key members. So Haley yeah. and I are going to be riding nice. brand new Indians on what, loan. What are you getting? What are you getting the biggest ones with all the things, right? Is that what your well, deal was? Um, are they called dressers? Yes. Yes. Uh, so Haley said that she wanted the the FTR. She should totally get the FTR. Yeah. It's and the wrong bike to do it, but fucking that's right. And I said no way. Totally way. No way. You cannot ride it. Not for the miles that we have to do and her skinny little ass. It's all right. No, no not all right. <laughs> she so got her seat on it. Um, she's, a, she's a fucking. She's a tough motherfucker, dude. Mm-hmm. Mm. Look, it's in my best interest to keep her comfortable. <laughs> it's your best and interest. And it was in her best interest to make it to the meeting we had that she didn't. So I chose for her oh. a classic chieftain. Ooh. Okay. It's not too giant. With fringe. With <laughs> strike me as the fringe type. But I didn't see that. Uh, no, because I, I think that those are just beautiful bikes, and sure. I think she'll really appreciate it. Yeah. No, I asked for the Indian Roadmaster. Okay, nice. the big one with all the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it come with a microwave? <laughs> uh, it's got a top box. It's got the radio and the heated maker. grips Jeez. and heated seat and all the things. Mm. Wait, it has heated seats? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's got all the things. Yeah, it's got a Keurig in the top box. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Injecting pods down the freeway. (laughs) (laughs) The line going straight into your helmet. I'm just, I'm very appreciative and a big thanks to Indian Motorcycles for stepping up because we said, hey, who wants more women riders to buy their brand? Mm -hmm. We reached Mm -hmm. out to all the brands and Indians raised their hand and said, we do. Nice. Hmm. Wow. They said, we recognize that the women riders are the fastest growing market. And yes. Hell yeah. We want their business. We right want on. more women on Indians. So we're going to be riding Indians and stopping at Indian dealerships and doing stuff like that. They're going to well, give you like a, a sheet of press talking points that you uh, can say about the bikes or what? I'm, Our I'm getting, beautiful. let's just say I'm getting more familiar with the models. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I wanted to try uh, a new segment right now. Oh? Mm. Yeah. So... I had an email from uh, one of our listeners, and he uh, actually last week, yep. Bagel, he emailed in about how his FC07 was stolen. Mm-hmm. And then he emailed us uh, this week to say that he kind of found it. Aha. Uh-huh. And it brought up this question of 
how do you handle that situation? So I wanted to play a little game called What Would You Do? So for our first contestant, and there is no wrong answers, we've got our good friend, Uncle Phil. Phil, say hi to everyone. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing? Pretty good. Doing all right. Good. Hey, so I put out the call to see who was interested in playing this game. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the, the actual scenario. And for all of these, um, these are all scenarios that myself i've been in or some others that we've heard of and i want to see what you would do in this scenario so in this situation his bike was stolen and he had written it off well he got a message from someone that a bike just like his had showed up online on sale and he checked out the ad and he realized that was his bike this is a 2018 fc07 and in fact the ad says 2018 FC07 runs great, no key, $900. <laughs> runs great, no key? No key, $900. How do they know it runs great? <laughs> right? Um, wow. And he messaged me saying, what What should I do? Was the, uh, was the ad... Uh, Signed baitcar.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, it's a little sketchy. The, <laughs> the picture of the bike has right. a person sitting on top of it that they then used like Photoshop and whited out them sitting on the bike. So it just looks like a white ghost on a bike. But As it's, opposed to him wearing an old tiny crook's costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he was able to identify some... Um, things that he's put on it and in fact where he okay. had to make some cuts in the frame to put a rack on so oh, not in the frame wow. cuts cuts in the bodywork so right. positively identified as his sure and this is in a i'm going to say a major city right. a right. i'm going to say an urban city okay right um so let me ask you phil if this was you what would you do well, absolutely. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I contact law enforcement because anything that I do after that moment, I'm going to want to make sure that they've got as much information as I have. Because if something, I mean, even if something that's completely accidental happens, you want to go on record as not being out for vigilante justice. Mm -hmm. Because even if you're just driving past the location, even if you surreptitiously set up a meeting with this guy to uh, the under the ruse of being interested in purchasing the bike, and so, you get there and something happens, you want to make sure that at least somebody knows that you've got the information you've got, you have the suspicions you've got. I, I would tell you, don't expect if you hand this thing off to the police department or the uh, detectives bureau that they're going to jump right on it like it's their priority number one. Yeah, actually, in fact, he did call the police right away. Good. And they didn't, they said that they didn't know if they could get somebody out there. And he even right. went so far as to give the address and a time because he contacted the seller to see if it was still available. Acted like he's someone interested in buying it. So he yeah, called the police absolutely. back and said, I've got a time and a place. Um, I right. want to go down there. Can you send backup? And they said, maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised they didn't just say, oh, hell no, don't you dare go anywhere near it. Right. Uh, so so knowing, that knowing that the police are not that interested, because honestly, right. they they treat motorcycles like a lawnmower. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, well, it's property crimes. And that's the yeah. biggest thing is most law enforcement agencies aren't going to get out of their own way for a property crime. Right. So they're going to tell you, well, that's what you have insurance for. We're not going to get involved in that. 
and they're going to tell you not to go out, not to conf- not to confront somebody when you think there could be a theft that mm-hmm. has occurred. They're going to tell you, let, you know, we're going to fill out a report, we'll pass it off to the detectives, and if they do anything about it, good for you. Uh, but th- they're not. <laughs> it's just, a, I mean, let's be real. They're not going to do anything about it. No. So really, I do think... Uh, I think this might be one of those situations where you absolutely have to do something. And uh, do you guys want to know what I would do? Yeah. Yes. That's the, that's the premise. Okay. Yeah. So here's what I would do. You know, the first thing that I would do is I think you did the exact right thing is that is establish contact as a potential buyer. Because if some dipshit's dumb enough to put a stolen bike online, one of two <laughs> things, like on Craigslist or whatever, either they're just irretrievably stupid or maybe <laughs> they didn't actually steal it. Mm. Maybe uh. they bought it from somebody who told them, well, you know, it's not stolen or it doesn't have to have a title or it doesn't have to have plates or somebody dropped it off in my garage. They might not be as culpable as you might think they are on the initial first blush. Or maybe they so, took it in trade for meth. Exactly. That's <laughs> also true. <laughs> but what I would do is I would ab- absolutely pretend to be a buyer and I would absolutely have a partner go with me. And I'd have a partner go with me, and I'd have a third person sitting a little ways away. You know, 911, thumb on the send button kind of deal. Yeah. And then we'd go up, and we'd look at the bike. And we'd look at the bike, and we'd ask all the questions. And we wouldn't seem too damn interested. But, boy, I would have that VIN number in my back pocket. I'd have a copy of that title in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Or maybe your registration. Anything with your name and the VIN on the bike. And then I'd look all over that bike and see if I could find that VIN. Mm-hmm. And, boy, if the VIN's still on it... Hmm. then that's a real good opportunity for you to address the person and say, now, here's an interesting thing. I had a bike stolen. And, you know, maybe while you're there, maybe while you're there, take a few pictures of that bike and that VIN and that guy standing next to it so he doesn't look like a poltergeist in the next image that gets published. <laughs> so I think that's probably what I would do. And if I felt like I was standing on firm ground, I might give a real, real light confrontation. And the real light confrontation would be Look, man, it's going to be pretty easy for you to get busted for receiving stolen property at this point. I think the best thing for you to do is just let me let me drive away with this bike. Because just like Cinderella's slipper, I got the key for that hole. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and I think I might approach it that way. Give him, give him the honest out kind of thing. Give him an opportunity in case he wasn't the guy who actually stole it. You're a nice man, Phil. And, yeah. yeah. You know, but and understanding full well at any point it could turn ugly. And then the advice I have to give is, if it turns ugly, get the fuck out of there. You know, unless you are feeling your minerals. <laughs> I think my advice to him was, go down there, get on it, ride away. And as you're riding away, say, I don't, I don't want any trouble. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, our van was stolen. Betty, uh, Black mm-hmm. Betty was stolen. And, you know, we all were personally attached to that Ford Econ line. <laughs> and it's been a couple of years now. And we're all waiting to get that call. We're all waiting, you know, for <laughs> two years. We've always been waiting to see it. You know, it's mm-hmm. extremely distinctive. There's no way that it wouldn't be that bad if we saw it. And we're always kind of like secretly going, I wonder if it's going to turn up somewhere. It just seems impossible for a three-ton vehicle to just disappear. <laughs> but, again, it's probably in Kuwait. I, I, yeah. think, I think the thing that comes up, though, is... You're dealing with a certain element, and and what yep. are the odds you're dealing with the person who stole it, who may want to protect their identity, mm-hmm. yep. uh, as opposed to and you brought up the point. There's a very good chance it's somebody who wasn't the one who stole it, but the next one in line who got it. Mm-hmm. In Absolutely. which case, that's when you do want to say, you know, I've got 
all the paperwork here. So it is a hard call. I think maybe you should go down there and scope it out and just feel the vibes. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. Now, if you do that and get shot in the face, it wasn't me who gave it. Oh <laughs> man! Yeah, was not at all remotely affiliated with the motorcycle. <laughs> I, I'll tell you though, similar the, to but legally different from. <laughs> the thing that gets me is just letting them get away with it. That's the thing that gets mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and it is so frustrating that the police don't see what, the, the urgency that we do. You know? well, it's almost like reinforcing. I, we, I had to do the same thing. When Betty was stolen, we went down, and first things first is we went to our local district. We are in Cleveland, so major metropolitan area. We went in. I had the VIN. I had pictures. I had everything. And uh, they very politely took all of my evidence, gave me four pieces of paper to fill out, and then uh, promptly told me to fuck off. So uh, they... And then I called five or six times afterwards, and you know, after about three months, I got a detective who called me back and said, "Hey, I just want to let you know, uh, your van's probably be being used to you know steal ATM machines." So, uh, yeah. you know, I hope he had insurance, and that was it. That was the only the only contact we Yikes. ever had from law enforcement back towards us mm. regarding our stolen van. Right. Well, I wanted. Well, I mean, to, it is a property crime, so. I wanted to thank you, and that is good, sound advice. Well, was, you know, I I put on my best show for the misfits. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but that's why I chose this scenario for you because I'm like, I bet you he's been in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. Let, yeah. Let me, well, I also got scooter jacked, so I had somebody. You know, I had somebody punch me and knock me off my scooter and wow. try to steal what? it. One what? Time. Holy shit! Oh, so, um, so, unfortunately, I was able to. I was able to muster my, my I kind of got myself together and was able to just act super duper crazy and swing on the guy and, and he ran off nice. and uh, I, I showed up the shop and I was like, okay, this was weird. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, guess what just happened? Somebody just tried to punch me in the face and take my scooter. Wow. So uh, wow. yeah, <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Let me ask a follow up as a gun owner. Do you <laughs> take a gun with you? Oh, as a gun owner? As a gun owner. Oh, no. Sweet baby Jesus, no. Okay. You know, you good, guys good. know I'm a gun owner, and I'm a super-duper gun owner. I'm like a kind of mm-hmm. a pro-level gun owner. But I will also tell you, the worst thing about guns is if you bring one with you, there's guaranteed to be one there. Mm-hmm. Mm, Whereas yeah. if you don't bring one with you, there's one less gun in the situation. Uh that's like having a gun in a potentially volatile situation like right. that. I would say, unless you are stone cold ba- Billy Badass, you pull a gun out of your pocket, expect it to have turned back on you. Uh, that is absolutely the wrong thing to do. You are not law enforcement in any way, shape, or form. And if you go out there with a gun, you are going to end up on the wrong side of the judge's bench. Well, good. I'm glad you said that. I mean, that is sound advice. You guys heard it from Phil. Yep. Don't take a gun. Take a knife instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, just take, a, take like literally take a bunch of friends with Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Everybody's wearing Hawaiian shirts. And then when things get weird, when they when it all comes down, all he's going to be able to say is, "It was some sort of weird luau." I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So many pineapples everywhere. Oh. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs>
Awesome. Well, thank you very much for playing, Phil, and thank you for taking care of Henry when he was out there. Yeah, thanks, uh, Phil. You guys, we know we love you guys. And I'll return I, the favor if you ever hear. I definitely, for sure, would plan on having a large contingency of misfits next year. <laughs> we, you know what? There's there are bigger RVs we can rent. Figure it out. Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Phil. Thanks a lot, dude. All right, talk to you soon. Thanks, Phil. Ciao. All right, so that was was good good advice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. Good advice. Solid. Something to keep in mind at the end of the day, though, it's just stolen property. Like like a $7,000 motorcycle is not worth your life or whatever injury you may incur trying to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Or necessarily even their life. Yeah. Well, all right. I don't know. So would I get a? Would I take a black eye for my motorcycle? What? I, no, wait, black what? Eyes, black eye is one thing. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe. Well, I you would. know what they say. Once you go black. I don't know. <laughs> oh, stop it! <laughs> I mean, like, what if you got like a broken leg or you, like that? That would suck. Lung or something. Yeah, like that. No, that you know, yeah, that's like long term disability, maybe. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to put yourself at too much risk. I mean, yeah, getting injured severely is you know is bad too. So, um, you know. Keep your head about you, and and uh, you know. But I, I think I think Phil's, Phil's advice was spot on. Yeah. yeah, I would sacrifice some round shorts for that. <laughs> I'd, I'd put myself to get my bike back. I think that would be okay. Should we try another one? Yeah. All right. Let me dial the magic number. Hello. Is this Tom? This is Tom. Hey, Tom. This is Liza and the Misfits. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Hi, Misfits. How you doing? Hey. hey. How are you? So, um, I got a little scenario I'd like to share with you, and I'd love to find out what your best advice is of, of what would you do in this situation. Okay. And um, in this one, I'm going to say, um, what do you do when you buy a, a bike, buy a used bike from someone, and you find out that it is stolen? Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is a rough one. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, my mother raised something of a Boy Scout, so I'd probably fi- contact the police and see if I can't return to the rightful owner, and then pursue civil charges against the guy who either sold it to me, or if they can figure out who stole it originally, if it wasn't him. So you think that's going to work out? <laughs> I mean, in a perfect world, yes. In reality, <laughs> no. But I mean, I look at it. I look at it as what if you know, put the shoe on the other foot. Yeah. Right. Somebody steals my pride and joy, yeah. my Francesca, my Ducati, and somebody steals it and sells it. Would I? Oh, a, a, an incredible debt of gratitude to a person who goes, hey, I bought this bike. It's stolen. DMV and the police say it's yours. And, you know, whether or not I, I get any money back out of the deal, the bike's not mine. And I would be incredible. I would I would feel guilty. I would feel I would not feel right riding someone else's bike that was unfairly deprived from them. Yeah. Let's pretend that you bought a bike from this guy, and <laughs> um, now you found out it's stolen. I'd like to know what this conversation is going to sound like. Mm. Are you, you going to call well, him? Call him up? It, well, it would depend on how I how I found out the bike was stolen. Okay. Um, like, say I went to go register it, and it came back as, "Hey, this bike shows it's stolen in the mm-hmm. DMV computer." Um, you know, discretion being the better part of valor, I'm not going to go to the guy. I'm going to yeah. go to the authorities. But you're you're yeah. going to be the one that's out the money. 
So I'm, I'm telling you, if, if, if you report this, the bike will be impounded. The owner yep. may never get it. Um, or if they do, a lot of times it's been punched or they've already settled insurance. So you're going to be out the money unless you best contact case, the, the person you bought it from. Best case scenario, yeah. you don't contact the person you bought it from. You contact the owner. They already got the insurance money. They understand the situation. They might be kind enough. They go, yeah, just have the bike. Or they, may, title. or they might say, hey, well, I'll pay you what you paid. And if you give me back the bike and I'll figure out how to get that, you know, reclaimed and put back in my name and stuff yeah 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 that's i mean all things being equal that's that's exactly what what i would do um i just no matter how pay uh, no matter how that scenario plays out um having had things stolen from me um it would me and my conscience you know that i have to go to sleep with every night yeah i couldn't i couldn't ride a bike that i know is stolen You've got good ethics, sir. Cheers to you. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of an idealist. Okay. Yeah, well, you I, know, I'd, like, I'd like to pepper this up a little bit. Oh, mm. don't Let's you say, always. hypothetically, you bought this bike from your next-door neighbor. Oh. Ooh. That changes the game. Then mm. I would just okay. shoot him in the knees. Hard mode. Hard mode. <laughs> I bought it from my neighbor, and I find out it's stolen. All yeah. right? Well... The methodology might be different, um, but does it depend yeah, on your it, neighbor? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm down by Fort Bragg, so there are people around here you don't mess with. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, I would, I would probably at least initially try to man to man with him. Like, hey, let's break bread. Let's share a beer, dude. What the fuck? Give him an opportunity to clear his own name. Like, maybe he's not the guy who stole it. If he's not the guy who stole it and he bought it from somebody else, well, then we have a problem and we need to figure out how to fix it. If he's the guy that stole the bike, well, fuck. (laughs) I've got really shitty neighbors and I'm buying new locks. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's... Yeah, I mean, even, even if that happened, I would still... I would try to find the original owner and again um like they said try and settle up with him and then just avoid that other neighbor at all costs and you know put trackers on everything i own just in case (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is a hard call and it's a tough position to be in but i appreciate that you're thinking about the original owner because you're putting yourself in their shoes and it's something that we know that the the police departments don't really have the time We, we were discussing that previously they're not trying to return your baby. You know, you, you let the insurance handle it, move on. So the fact that you are looking out for the other owner, I appreciate that. Just, you know, as a biker to biker, that's awesome. And thank you for your, um, you know, your suggestion. Absolutely. Y'all have a good one. Yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you, man. Appreciate right, it. Bye. Good night. Good talk. Bye. That went well. Mm, All right, yeah. let, me, let me try another these, one. Did you these have guys one? are so tame, though. Do you, do like, you have a scenario for, like, what if you caught somebody trying to steal your bike would you just wu-tang kick him right in the neck (laughs) (laughs) choose your own adventure you can wu-tang kick him in the neck you can judo chop him right you can talk to them politely yeah exactly (laughs) up next we've got our good friend brian in fact you guys know who it is this is brian honeycutt hey 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 Hey, what's up dude the man who drags a knee on a gs (laughs) (laughs) so you, you got a little bit of background noise you're driving 
Yeah, I am. I'm driving right now. So let's say, hypothetically, you loan a bike to a friend. In fact, you were very uh, generous and you offered to loan me your GS if I wanted to take it for a ride and try it out a little bit more. Actually, actually, you want to take it down to uh, Los Angeles next weekend? We can have it. Ah, no. Uh, no, I'm good. Okay. But um, what do you do if you loan a bike to somebody and they return it and they just say something like, oh, yeah, sorry, I just fell over in a parking lot. There's like a dent in the tank and broken, and mirror. broken mirror. It's like, but they don't offer to pay. Or I've even had where they say like, well, dude, I was just parked on the street and a car backed up into it. It's not my fault. Like, what do you do when you loan a bike to somebody and they return it and they don't think it's that big of a deal, but to you, it's kind of like, it's a big deal. Yeah, so what I would do is text them a uh, advertisement off eBay for the parts to fix the bike. Right? <laughs> and then tell them to do the right thing or not, either way. But I definitely wouldn't loan anything to the person ever again. Mm-hmm. That's yep. it. But now, isn't this um, the same rule as loaning money? If you loan money to a friend or family, you don't always expect it back. So is that a case when you loan a bike to somebody, you have to expect that it might come back with some damage? Sure. If, if I loan money to family and they don't pay me back because it's a loan, it's then a gift, but I don't loan them money any longer. It's kind mm-hmm. of the same scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But 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 money is just money. It's not something you're attached to. Your bike is even more special than that, though. I would think so, right? But yeah. so, what if yeah. it's something like a dent in the tank? To people, they're like, "Oh, it still works," but they don't realize that that is something that devalues it. It's a bit of a heartbreak. So, if somebody returns it with a dent in the tank. How do you handle that? Sure. Yeah, I, I have had this very scenario. A guy raced my motorcycle and crashed it. Ooh. He didn't think Ooh. it was a big deal, right? But. I emailed him the uh, what it costs on eBay to fix the parts. I'll put the parts on, and I can fix. But again, in my younger days, I'd probably get something that they own. But now I just <laughs> let it go. I mean, I, again, I, I, I wouldn't loan anything out to him again. That's all I would do. Yeah, on something like a dent on a tank, that's hard because you have to replace a tank, and that can be a lot of money. Or or get it, you know, body work done. That's not cheap. So is it right. is it? it, it Worth a friendship. At the same time, I at the same time I understand a debt in a tank is a debt in a tank. It's still functional, right? If if it happened to me, if I did it to somebody else's, I would fix it. But I do understand. And again, the motorcycles I own, they can be they've been thrown on the ground several times, so they're functional pieces of equipment the way I see them. They're not show bikes in any way. So I'm a little bit of a different exception than most people. So. Well, I'd like to roll this into one more question, because you seem to be pretty cut and dry. It seems pretty simple to you. Um, What if you sell a bike to a friend, and shortly thereafter, something expensive breaks? Hmm. So you're saying if I sell a bike to somebody, and then that bike, something happens to it Mm -hmm. after I sell it to a person. Yeah, I would do my best to offer to repair the bike. I mean, if... If a guy blows a motor because of not checking oil, not checking coolant, that's on them, right? But uh, I don't know, say it's something stupid like a, ba- a bearing seizure in a wheel or something. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, ch- I'll change a bearing, not a problem. Minor, minor maintenance is not a problem, but if it's an issue of 
major engine damage. And even if it is major engine damage, I'll go half with you to buy a junkyard eBay motor and we can swap it together. But, you know, there's 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 got to be conditions. And it also has to be who it is I'm dealing with. If it's a guy that's like, I'm going to take you to small claims court, then I'm not being nice to you. The deal is the deal, right? So mm. I, I will work with you as much as I can. Well, there you go. Well, thank you, Brian, for right. uh, helping us out with sure. that. Sure, I right. hope I help you out. And get, appreciate it. And you got to get down here sometime soon. Okay, sounds cool. All right, bye. All right, thanks. All right, yep. So I just want to find out from the people in the room. That is hard because doing anything with friends. You know, I'll ask you guys. You sell a bike to a friend and something happens to it. Um, you know, knock your ninja running great, right? Sure. Let's say you sell it to a friend, and then uh, a bearing goes out, and they crash, and the bike is totaled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel responsible at all for that? Ah, uh, shit. Or do you just go like, dude, you knew what you're getting when you buy a used bike? Well, it's like, if the bearing failed, and like, I don't, I don't know, because like, I would, before I sell the bike, I would make sure everything's tip-top, right? And if a, if, if a bearing failed, that's like, what, that would just be a freak occurrence, and, and the bike crash and he's totaled and what do i do like how do we know that it's the bearing that failed and we just somehow know that the bearing failed and that was the result of it or like um man i know it's a hard call it's a hard call i mean like 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 brian said if the motor blew out i'd go and help and find him you know a new motor on ebay they're cheap but like uh, the deal is the deal and that i uh, this ninja has been rang pretty hard and it runs great uh but but I will help if it's a friend for sure. If it's somebody yeah. I don't know, I'll like Brian said. If he's a dick about it, well, the deal's a deal. But if you need help, I'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, and and to, and also if, if it's your a bike that you're familiar with, and it's new to new to them, um, you know, it's nice for you to be able to help out with the experience that you have with that bike, knowing yeah. it, and you can kind of help them get to know it as well in the process too. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's the whole caveat emptor thing, I guess. Like, sure. Uh, <laughs> You still want to be a helpful person, yeah. right? Yeah. So. Especially if it's a friend, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I forget if we, we talked about it a little bit last week on the show. I mean, I'm going through that right now with poor John, yeah. who bought the DR350. The day he bought it, went out and rode it, and the oil line blew. Yep. Then he replaced the oil lines, and in replacing the oil lines, put in one of the bolts. Uh, misthreaded, cross threaded it, yeah. and it cracked Oof. the head. But that's yeah. like on him, yeah. Able to make the repair. Yeah. And now we've been looking on eBay. There's a couple heads, and they're like four hundred and something dollars. There's somebody with an entire engine, and they want nine hundred and twenty dollars shipped for an DR? engine for a DR three fifty. So there's no parts. Mm. They're not cheap. Well, I wonder if you if you try some like the motorcycle salvage shops or something, that they might have something a lot cheaper than that. Uh, I just know, and with Jim when he blew his DR, that there weren't he he couldn't find any engines. Really? So now, I, I mean, I feel a little bit guilty, but I also feel like, yeah, but this is kind of on you. But I want to help the kid, and that's kind of what started this whole thing. What would you do? Because we do get in these situations. Mm-hmm. Would it be possible to weld the head back up, maybe? Um, you know, weld it up, retap it. It's hard to say. Yeah. JB weld, my yeah. How deep does that crack? Yeah, uh-huh. and you don't you don't want like metal shavings inside your oil lines either um it's a very good chance it might be leaking partly through the threads because if he cross-threaded it yep 
Right. Um, but you said it, it cracked the head, though? It did. Yeah, then that's going to have to So, because going in, it went in a little bit sideways, so the pressure was greater on one side of the yep. bolt than the other. Mm, yep. And that, when you torque it up to Dink. tighten those banjo, um, the washers on the banjo yep. bolt. Oh, you don't want torque it heads. It just cracked. Yeah. There's a crack in the head. Yeah. And it's like, oh, poor kid. Yeah. And he just got it running good, too. Right, right. Man. Uh, I don't know. That is a hard call. Well, I would love to hear from other people. If you've been in these awkward situations (laughs) and, you know, what what do you do? And especially in the case, and I feel bad um, for the guy with the FC07. Yeah. um, I just feel like uh, there needs to be justice. Yeah, the the better part of you wants justice to happen because it's like we're all idealists like that, right? But like (laughs) you get your bike... Hopefully nobody gets shot in the knees, and it's all <laughs> I mean, good. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I well, yeah. I mean, I've been. Ugh, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. I mean, I've had stuff stolen from me, and I've been super angry about it. But like at the end of the day, you have to realize it's just a thing, right? Mm. It can be replaced. That's why you haven't. Honestly, that is why you have insurance. That's why we have like this whole system in place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For it, so however you feel it doesn't justify you know getting seriously injured or losing your life over trying to get this thing back however you may feel yeah so henry you've got a new toy a new piece of gear kind of yeah and i need to go print out emails do you think you can talk long enough uh, we'll Tell everyone about, about this new helmet and what's so special about it. Yeah, what's yeah. the deal, man? Cool. So, I'll be right back. Recently, I got a new helmet, uh, my old showy uh, RFSR, um, because of there was a crack on the top of it that was went straight to the styrofoam, and after several thousand miles being exposed to UV sunlight, I felt it probably wasn't as safe as it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I went ahead and purchased myself a new helmet. It is a Bell Star. Oh yeah, uh, with good. the MIPS technology nice. yep. in it. Mm-hmm. What is MIPS? MIPS is a technology. I think they're based out of Sweden. They make this. Uh, basically, it's a technology made to address rotational forces mm-hmm. when you go down and hit your head. Mm-hmm. The idea is that. It's a the accurate. It's initialization for multi-directional impact protection system. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is that when you go down and hit your head, you know it isn't just like linear forces that right. apply to your skull. So it's going to be a, a huge jump in protection compared to uh, ones that don't have that. Exactly. Yeah. So cool. helmets are traditionally made to take uh, linear forces, which mm-hmm. coincidentally, evolutionarily, human skulls are very good at taking. Uh, linear forces to the head, but linear force, uh, rotational forces, uh, we are not very good at mm-hmm. taking. Like if, if you ever seen somebody uh, boxing or so- something like that, Definitely. and somebody gets knocked out. Yeah, they usually get hit in the chin or in the side of their head, mm-hmm. spins, and their brain follows <laughs> oh, afterwards. Because exactly. it's so, floating in a thing of fluid, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's exactly what happens. Like the our brain is not good at taking uh, rotational forces so this is important to have in a helmet exactly and so far as far as i know there are only two companies maybe three that are really doing it mm-hmm. bell uh another company called 6d which has their own sort of system mm-hmm. for uh, addressing rotational forces and then i think fox or fly has some dirt bike helmets that have a 
that have like MIPS technology built mm-hmm. into it. But for the street, 6D and Bell are the only ones that I know of. Cool. So, that, yeah, so go ahead. That, yeah, ha- sell helmets to uh, the public basically to buy, like Shoei, Arai, yeah. Shark, none of the other like big manufacturers uh, have this technology in their helmet. Yeah, uh, my, my helmet right now is the MX-9. It's got the MIPS thing in there. But nice. what it is is like uh, you have your helmet, and between that is uh, a layer of plastic that kind of it's like basically a skull cap Mm -hmm. and that's attached to the helmet with little buttons and what happens is uh the the skull cap kind of rotates and moves independently from the helmet just a little bit Uh so when the helmet takes a hit it moves and there's like a delayed reaction to it's basically floating on top of that plastic skull cap thing that's Mm -hmm. super cool yeah and you can just look at it online it's it's a pretty simple kind of like technology considering what it's supposed to do like Mm -hmm. rotational shock absorber Yeah. yeah But it's it's like a huge step forward in terms of like helmet safety and why other manufacturers aren't doing it. I don't actually know why. Um, you can I actually learned about it through uh, Asphalt and Rubber. Uh, mm-hmm. They have their own podcast now, uh, Brap Talk, I think it is yeah. now. And uh, the main host uh, Jensen was talking about that and how it's like really honestly a big safety issue uh, with that. Uh, in terms of helmet design, like nowadays, like basically helmets have been the same for the past 30 or 40 years, mm-hmm. and there hasn't been like really a lot of, in terms of uh, safety innovation. It's all just yeah. been like comfort and weight mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Like nothing really, you know, protect for what a helmet is for, like yeah. protecting your head. And mm-hmm. this thing is like in bicycle helmets and snowboarding helmets, and apparently that's what it looks like here. They have it in equestrian helmets. Equestrian helmets, yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my new cool. purchase. Like, safety is my honest priority, so. Yeah, what colorway did you get? I got it white. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I'm not Because <laughs> Boring yeah. white. They, white. Bell makes some really cool fucking designs in helmets. Yeah. Uh, they got really cool retro-looking stuff. Uh, there wasn't really anything in my helmet that really attracted me, so mm. figure white helmet, white police bike, why not? Yeah. So Bell, the, the star is like their highest top of the line, right? Or is it like one over or one I under? I think it's basically their top of the line until you start getting to like the $1,000 carbon fiber ah, helmets. Right, like. right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I really do. Oh, like yeah, that's the, a cool helmet. I really do like the um, the the shields because oh, yeah. you know I, I was so into like the helmets. Like I'll only buy helmets that have the pop down um, sunshade in mm-hmm. it, so I don't have to wear um, uh, sunglasses. And now the transitions that they have is even better. Mm-hmm. D- does it work pretty good? It actually does work really well. Like, I, the whole day uh, riding to here, I didn't need my uh, sunglasses or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That is cool. so next next level. And then I don't have to swap out the visors or anything like that when I'm riding at night. I wonder, do they have um, a, a adventure helmet with the visor with a transitional? Yes, they do. I <gasps> don't know the name on the top of my head, but they're like 250 bucks or something like that. Yeah. And is it wow. modular? No. Do you like <sighs> modular helmets? Yes. See, I've always, because of uh, the FIM rules, uh, never wanted to get a modular helmet because I was afraid it wasn't going to be as safe. So, like, uh, when you're racing, you're not allowed to have anything other than a regular full-face helmet that's right. ECE approved. Mm-hmm. Right. But racing is, is a much higher speed, though, too. Yeah. Mm. No, um, I mean, you know, we, we have helmet laws. We can't take our helmets off. But I do like to 
feel the wind sometimes and I mm-hmm. will flip it up, especially when it's really hot weather out. Mm-hmm. I like riding with it up. You know, I got this fetish thing that where like mm-hmm. once a year Not a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I like to ride around the block without my helmet just to like make you realize, hey, you are a soft, squishy meat bag. Oh man. You know? <laughs> it's like, like riding you without die. Your gloves. Yeah, it, it's kinda it's it's it, cool. You gotta do it's it. Sobering. It was, is that sobering. why every year you grow your hair out? Just, just a helmet, helmet size. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was fun running around. Use the Aquanet, just build it yeah, up, and paint a stripe helmet. on your hair. Right, right. Yes, that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's my deal. You don't have to take my advice for everybody. If you're you live in a state with uh, requires a helmet law, maybe you should try living a little. Just go around the plaque without a helmet, and maybe not try to get a ticket. <laughs> but that's just me. It, it's it's got its appeal. Yeah, I completely understand why you don't want a helmet. I will not do it, but yeah. I understand. Well, I mean, I fucking loved it when we were in Cleveland, putzing around between the campgrounds and like to the restaurants. Yeah. Just like, oh, oh yeah, like, Mid Ohio. It's mm-hmm. one thing. This is uh, absolutely dumb. But man, this is motorcycles aren't really the smartest thing, aren't they? No. Well, because Mid Ohio is a magical place where accidents don't happen. <laughs> right. The laws of physics do not apply. They don't. <laughs> We've all experienced it. They don't. There are what? so yeah. few ambulances at Mid-, Mid Ohio for the amount of chaos going on. Uh, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. I was more worried about the fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, That's probably why the ambulances were there. Right. Are you going to come next year, Brandon? Depends. You know, I would it's, like to. It's, mm. it's the land of petrol bikes. And a couple I'm, I'm electric. electric. Yeah, and land a couple of, electric. <laughs> it's the land of old people riding small bikes and even smaller bikes. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Oh, I am not yeah. bullshitting oh, you. Yeah. Is there a fairy tale about this place? <laughs> yes. Probably. Sometimes they're riding with bikes on their bikes. Yes, this what? is true. I saw mm-hmm. that no less than three times there this you go. year. Yep. Hauling a bike on a bike. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's the largest motorcycle swap meet in the country. And you use your motorcycle to ride or through the swap meet. And so okay. when you buy stuff, you stack it on your motorcycle. So if you buy another motorcycle, you stack it on top of your motorcycle. So Terry would be really good at this. <laughs> yes, he would be. I saw a bunch. I saw one guy riding a CT110 with the frame of another CT110 he had just bought <laughs> on it. He's gonna weld that thing on top of it, like a tall bike, you know? You know, I could I could imagine Terry making a flatbed on his bike to haul another bike on. Oh, Effectively, don't he, give him any he has idea. Yes, man. <laughs> I saw a few trailers out there. Yeah. But yeah. So, hey, I wanted to catch up on emails. We've been getting a lot of great emails. Yeah. And um, I wanted to read one here. Um, this one says uh, Greetings from Boston. Uh, hello, Misfits. I'm a new listener, but have been catching up on old episodes. <laughs> the Wait, po- that's not Boston oh at all. Yeah, uh, that's no, it's Boston. Sure, it is. The bo- the you podcast just like is chewing gum. No, the podcast is great. It's wicked, in fact. Uh, and I like to say I ride vicariously through you guys. I've got a three old and a wife. Ha! Needless to say, my bike gets a lot of garage time. I thoroughly enjoyed Miss Emma's historical breakdown of the CB750 a couple weeks ago. They are amazing bikes. I am the proud owner of a 1978 CB550K in XL Black. Mm. I like to consider it the most refined CB550 seen as it is the last year of production, although I would consider a trade for an F model with a 4 and a 1 exhaust. This is my first bike and I was I, I wasn't running uh, when I got it, but with the, oh, I wasn't running when I got it, but with the help of the SOHC/4 forum 
great resource. And YouTube, she's on the road. Such a, a fun machine to wrench on. I'd love to hear your take on the uh, 550s. It's the 750s little brother, but some consider it much better in the handling department. It's very nimble. On another note, have you heard of Madhouse Motors out of Boston? Jay Shia is an amazing builder. Oh, she yeah. even built the bike in the latest Ghostbusters movie. Mm. And uh, yeah, we uh, mm. we interviewed her at the one show. Yeah, yeah. He said, um, by now, I'm sure one of you has attempted the Boston accent, you wankers. Mm. <laughs> Ride safe, Tom, not Tom Brady. <laughs> there you go. So, you Crack know. Cat, have a jet. No, no, you can't puck what? a car in Harvard yet. In fact, you can't puck a motorcycle in Harvard yet. Well, what, I've where covered the fuck this. Where the you put the khakis? Dude, I'm saying. There's nowhere to puck a fucking motorcycle in Harvard yet. I've tried it. All right. All right. So, uh, you know, it is true. The CB550, like the CB750 gained a lot of recognition. Mm. Everybody wanted one. Everybody had one. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then when they became really collectible... The next one down the tier was the CB550, the little brother. It is a great bike. We've got one here at the garage. It uh, has been here for <laughs> years through different owners who've all been mm. garage uh, attendees. Around. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it is a cool bike. You know what? I have to say, it's actually, even though the bike has been here a long time, it's been years since I've sat on it. And today I went and threw a leg over and sat on it. And it felt good. Hmm. It felt good to sit on a classic bike. Hmm. Um, I don't want to say it gave me the bug, mm-hmm. but it just it felt good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the CB550 also very collectible. It's hard to find any anymore. Hmm. All the CBs are getting um, snapped up, and then really, I think after that, the CB350s were the next most coveted collectible one. Hmm. Um, and then. I think really um, one of the last ones, of course, the CB400s were snapped up, but hmm. the CB450 is one that I like. Hmm. Um, that not many people, uh, not, there's not that many. Um, uh, so I, I like that one, but yeah, CB550s are a great bike, and they're definitely, um, I think they're acknowledged by the CB750 community, where a lot of the smaller ones aren't really in the yeah. same vein. So, yeah, that is a great classic bike. Keep it. I'm glad you got it running on the road, and just enjoy it. Yeah, Sweet. right on. So there you go. Hey, what was the bad CB, like the CB500 or something So like there's that? a CB500, is, is it, I think, the tr- single? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. No, they made two, I, think, they made, I think it was a was a 450 that they bored out, but they just didn't do it right. No, it might have been the twin. Um, there is a CB500, one of the old the older ones that is kind of a stinger of a bike. Mm-hmm. But in general, I mean, the CB500s were never as popular as the 550s or the the 350s mm-hmm. um, or the 360s but yeah um knock you want to try and uh, take a hack at that email yeah this one's called lube my gears <laughs> uh what lubes my gears emma emma lubes my gears patty from near jersey here. <laughs> yeah when i listen to you guys i always inevitably begin to look up at bandits uh, i'm always looking <laughs> for a 1200 to match my wife's 400 wee bandito you know what lubes emma's gears mm, what's that gin darling oh. <laughs> don't send more gin we got plenty of gin <laughs> in short it still does not work it worked damn well with the tank off and then it ran like shit turns out the petcock was starting it a fuel mm. yeah. new petcock and it's working well still 
Bruh, but still dying on the throttle. This thing can suck my balls. <laughs> uh, brought an ultrasound cleaner to clean it. Um, gave it a proper cleaning. And I can't wait to ride it. And he's going to spite fuck this thing for a thousand miles. Working out a bad relationship. Okay. I guess everybody got their own way to sort that out. Uh, as the episode is winding down, Emma is cheering others on about working on their bike and troubleshooting problems. Mm-hmm. After I prove myself that I can fix this bitch, I will buy my own ride and uh, with my wife. Nice. I'll buy my own and ride with my wife. Okay. Uh, thanks for cheering me on. And even though you probably, even though you probably don't know it, uh, thanks, Tarts. <laughs> that that's, sounds like something us. you would say. Yeah. <laughs> Bagel, and you have an email to read. It's not really a long email, but it is no. to you. It's it's a very nice one. It's from uh, Andreas Gerloff from Germany. Oh, oh, mm. you know what you have to do. <laughs> oh, boy. the German accent, please. <laughs> you did it to yourself. Es tut mir leid, Andreas. Hi, Bagel. I was listening to 321. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> to and had to remember this Lambretta with a Kawasaki. GPZ 500 engine, or I should say GPZ 500 engine, <laughs> I have seen last year. Wouldn't that be a blast on the scooter cannonball? <laughs> Dude, all right, explain what this a is real again. Blast. Uh, okay, so this is a uh, a a, a Lambretta scooter, which would normally be what size engine? Uh, normally, uh, the GPs I think were 200s. Okay, so it was a top of the line, you know, uh, Lambretta, uh, but they have shoehorned a Kawasaki GPZ 500 engine yeah. into it. And GBZ 550? Uh, 500. I don't think there was a 500. Well, I'm not sure. There's a GPZ 550. There wasn't a 500. Maybe, maybe it's European market yeah. is different. I don't know. Yeah, okay. But uh, in any event, it's it's kind of hard to tell from the, the, the little picture on here, but it, it looks uh, like it is filled up the entire engine under, underneath of the frame with engine and parts and other things and pipes coming out. Um, and it's painted up in these blue with orange flames uh, with the uh, DuPont 24 logo on it. <laughs> nice <laughs> so uh yeah so it's quite a uh, quite a, a uh, quite a an, an amazing piece of, of work here bagel uh, i have a question like, yes do you have any scooters in need of an engine um <laughs> depending what you what depends what you mean by that <laughs> can, can we do something like this is what i mean put a motorcycle engine inside yes the uh, well, I, I have a friend who put a Ninja 250 engine into his Fuji Rabbit, and <laughs> it is absolutely amazing. Um, I've well, thought about then. doing something like this before, but, well, the bike, the bike that I want to do an engine swap on is my 58 Heinkel that I want to convert to electric, which... which yes, is but I want to shove about. something inappropriate into one of your scooters. Ooh. That sounds <laughs> weird. We can put a special spot in for that. <laughs> well, well then. The, the problem is that most of my bikes are, are Vespas, and it's really difficult to shoehorn a, a, a motorcycle engine into a Vespa because it has a single, single-sided single rear swing arm design for the engine and, mm. and suspension, and it just really doesn't lend itself to motorcycle engines. Um, you might be able you'd have better luck with the Lambretta because of just the way the frames oh, laid that's out. Why. Okay. But I don't have a Lambretta anymore. I had one once that was a project that I never did anything with and then just ended up selling it. Oh, bagel, that was our project. Well, you should have gotten right. me 10 years so, ago. So let me ask you this. <laughs> yes. Is that a cool or a fool? Right I'd, there. I'd say that's pretty damn cool. Okay, cool. Uh, because that thing is going to produce gobs of power and it's going to be absolutely terrifying to ride and I love it. Knock, would you ride that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. A GPZ 500. Right. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, GPZ. GPZ. Nice. Yeah. Brandon, hmm. do you got an email to read? I do. Uh, it is titled, First Bike and Touring Advice from Robert Taylor. Hmm. Hey, uh, Robert. In Land Lakes, Florida. All right. And this is what a Land Lakes, Florida accent Wait, sounds first like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Misfits. Been listening to the podcast for a couple of months, and I look forward to it every week. I decided to take the MSF class for my 32nd birthday back in April just for shits and giggles. Yeah. yeah. It's good. I ended up loving I ended up loving it. I bought a Rebel 300 a few weeks later and learned to ride it and do basic chain maintenance, something I could learn to do. Uh, unfortunately, she just wasn't up to the long stretches of highway speeds I have in the boonies of Land Lakes, Florida, so I traded her in after just 7 weeks per Aww. girl. Mm. Cheap and quick. Uh, I ended up getting an 08 Honda Shadow Spirit 750 Perfect. C2 okay. with 15,300 miles on it. Good. That was already equipped with a sissy bar, saddlebags, and a yes. windshield. All the things you need. So is that a lot of miles? 15,300? No, no. Not on a cruiser like that. That's mm. just breaking in. Perfect time. Yeah. Uh, ended up getting detached, uh, getting detaching the windscreen due to buffeting, but mm. otherwise she's been an absolute delight, and I've been riding as much as possible, and checking my tire pressure every time, Miss Emma. You know, I'm going to say that the Honda Shadows are the KLRs of the cruiser world, Japanese cruiser world. They mm. just keep going. They just keep going. It's hard to kill, and their parts are plentiful. Yep. Mm. Good bike. So, uh, Robert continues on with, now I know Hondas have their reputation for reliability, mm -hmm. and so far she's been perfect for the 500 miles I've put on her. But I know that reliability only comes by taking care of your ride. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things that uh, I experienced with the petrol bikes now, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to take care of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, being that this one is shaft-driven and chain care is out the window, what other regular maintenance should a novice be looking into? I'm thinking of getting a local shop to do my 16,000 oil change and give it a professional inspection. But after that, I want to take care of her myself. That's So that's actually something I have no idea about as well. Uh, like... I know chain and belt maintenance, but what about if you have a shaft drive bike? Do you have to do anything to that? Not really. Not for not for quite you, a not for quite a while. Hmm. The shaft drive has oil in the bevel drive mm -hmm. for the rear end. You change that. I think from the manufacturer they say like every six to twelve thousand miles or something like that. No. You can go easily twice as long. I think every seventy thousand miles. Mm -hmm. What is that? A beamer again? Uh, no, uh, Shadow not, uh, 750. Shadow. 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 Oh, uh, yeah, just go online and see what the, yeah, what the recommendation is. Uh, but um yes, I can answer this question. What things so the the changing the oil is something that most people don't do enough. But the more you do it, the longer the bike will last and the better it'll, it'll run, simply. So mm -hmm. do it more than you think. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, uh, the bike only is 15,000, but did they say what year it is? Uh, in 08. 08, perfect. All right, because um, my Versus is an 09. Mm -hmm. I bought it brand new. I haven't done a lot to it. I mean, I've done regular maintenance, but it's never really needed anything. Yeah. But I've started just trying to get ahead of it and... Um, started um, flushing out the brake fluid mm -hmm. and uh, that rear brake fluid was turning to goo it was like Ooh, jelly wow. and it's something that 
the bike of a certain age, even though it's well-maintained, garage, all the stuff, you're not thinking about things that gradually go instead of immediately go. Mm -hmm. Um, And lubing the cables. This Mm -hmm. is another thing that you should do more regular than most of us do. Mm. It will prolong the life of them, and it'll just make it easier. Um, So there's not a lot to do. I mean, oil and changing out the brake fluid, and uh, that's probably going to have coolant on it. Fluids, Mm -hmm. checking the basics. Yeah, change the coolant every 20,000, 25,000 miles at least, I think. Um, if it's a Shadow 7 Cruiser, Shadow 750, it probably has hydraulic valves. So you never have to check the valves on that, which is nice. Yeah, there's not a lot to do other than buying accessories and making it comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fringe and chrome. <laughs> Get a climber or a Haynes manual and then the factory service manual if you could download it just in case. That's a really good suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, and also don't forget to check your tires as I found out myself you can think your tires are look okay and then they just go suddenly so check the date code there are certain things that just may be coming up because of the the time and not the mileage yep and um so that's it fluids just do them before you need and you can also check the battery and see what the date code is on it so Um, do those go bad after time Oh, yeah. They discharge over time, yeah. Yeah, it's the type of thing where it starts to gradually go, and it starts create creating symptoms that mm-hmm. you think are other issues, like fuel right. delivery or something like that. Or stalling out. Or stalling, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something as simple as just get a new, fresh battery. General well, lifetime on batteries, I think, is like four to seven years or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typically. Which is amazing that I'm... St- Still on my original battery for my Versus. Yeah. In fact, uh, we went on a scooter ride this morning, and uh, one of our uh, riders was not able to go because the bike died because the battery was dead. Uh, And turned out it was the original battery from 2008. Hmm. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. That tops <laughs> me. Yeah. So, was it a Yuasa battery that he had? Probably. Yeah. <clears throat> so the things you want to do before they become a problem, that is something that in general we, we don't do until it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. So that would be my recommendation. But great bike. Perfect for Florida. Um, yeah. Get some highway pigs and, and have fun. <laughs> All so, right. Cool. Uh, he ends up the letter uh, letting us know that he's extremely jealous of our weather and mountain roads. Uh, but they have Waffle Houses and public subs. So there. Public subs? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fucking beat us again. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, what I've is had a my share of sub. It's a, it's a, it's a chain. sub it's in a grocery like, store. Yeah, like Subway, but sub. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ugh. I've always had a theory about the waitresses at Waffle House. What's your theory? That they deep fry their hair. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> deep fry their hair and uh, coated crunchy? in cigarette ash. We need. I'm to, saying, take a look. We'll, we'll have it to makes do sense. It. <laughs> dip it in the fryer. We'll have to do a deep dive on this one of these days. <laughs> Henry, I think we've got time for one more. Do you have it? Yep. This title, this uh, email is titled Flashback. It is from Paul from Scotland. Hey, Paul. Hello. Wait, hey, Paul. you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mike. yeah. Mike's from pissed. Scotland. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's grumbling. This is gonna be good. I can't good. do Scottish. Come on, you Scottish. gotta try. Oh. You gotta try at least. Oh. Henry, Henry. Oh. stop being a bitch. Scottish accent. All right, I'll try. <laughs> stop <laughs> being a bitch. Hello, misfits. <laughs> this <laughs> might be one for Emma. <laughs> I recently. Okay. Re- <laughs> Keep going. 
I recently we watched. Oh fuck! You're this. doing a good we job. Were, You're doing good. We watched an 80s movie flashback of Dennis Hopper and Kiefer Sun- Sunderland. Kiefer in, Sutherland. Kiefer Sun- Sunderland, in which Dennis Hopper was an easy rider mm-hmm. on Indian. Wait. <laughs> do you need help with this one? Give, give it to Bagel. His was too short. Well, and he right. can do the Scottish accent. <laughs> oh, give God. it to Bagel. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. You got this. You got this. The world is going to hate me. Just Sorry picture your, your, in your kilt. Uh, Focus. Okay. <laughs> oh, read it. Only for you, Liza. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Misfits. This, oh, might, wow. this might be on for Miss Emma. It's <laughs> so good. I recently watched the 80s movie Flashback with Dennis Hopper and Kiefer Sutherland. Dude, this is really good. <laughs> In which Dennis Hopper references AZ Rider and England motorcycles. <laughs> you watch way too much Highlander. Easy rider. <laughs> and in which Kiefer Sutherland rides a v- VFR VF1000R. Weirdly, I always believed this to be a CB1000R, and when riding out my motorcycle career in the late 90s, I craved this bike, but new riders and leader bikes aren't, in, aren't insurable, so this never happened. Just as well, really, since it was the wrong picking bike. Anyway, the VF1000R seems to have had a very short production run, 84, 85. I wondered if it. <laughs> wow. I, I, I gotta read this with that accent. I can't. Yeah, you can't. You're exempt. You did. You, you said thousand. I, I said thousand is easy. That's good. I can also say eleven. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wondered if it would make a good used by now. I would love for Miss Emma to tell us the history of this bike on the podcast. Mm. Every time Honda rumored to release a new sports bike, there is always people saying it's going to be a V4, but it's always another. I for Fireblade. Mm-hmm. Is this 80s bike the source of this hopeless desire? Was it built already? I started out on sports bikes because they look so cool, but learned nothing except how to endure suffering for 15 years. But now I'm older, 43. I am learning that standard naked bikes are what I always should have had. Mm-hmm. R9, R9T owner now, and happier mm-hmm. riding that than anything else. Maybe it's sport bikes, or maybe it's Catholicism, but part of me thinks <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've not been punished enough. <laughs> you feel guilty. That's the most important thing. As long as you feel guilty about it. <laughs> you should be guilty. Guilt yourself into buying it. Yeah. <laughs> and I should look look to this VF1000R to do to me what Ninja's Jictures Fireblades could not. Mm. Thanks for reading, Paul Scotland. P.S. Hey. Listening since Norman Reedus. You're all great, but I wouldn't let knock into my house. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I wouldn't let uh, me in there either. That was the politest way of saying, fuck you, knock. That's right. So, Oh, hey, I looked up Flashback, and here's the scenario. Yeah. When a former 1960s radical emerges from a hiding, a straight-laced federal agent is assigned to escort him back to his trial in this comedy. Hmm. During the long, eventful train ride, the radical, who faithfully maintains his hippie ways, befriends <laughs> the uptight lawman and encourages him to finally loosen up. <laughs> it has received a 38 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the movie called? Flashback. Uh-huh. Hmm. So there you go. Cool. Nice. Did, you, did we answer his question? Was there a question? The, well, he wanted Emma to talk about the bike. Oh, that's right. Uh, right. Think, oh, yeah, that is a good so point. But she's yes, not with us tonight. Well, the V4, no. I think the VF1000R was like an endurance bike that they, the VF1000R specifically mm-hmm. was like a homologan bike. Or homologation bike that they made so they can go racing and endurance racing, but 
Other than that, oh, I don't know that right. much about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Because you look at it, it has like the big ball door kind of style mm-hmm. fairing hmm. on it. Like it's yeah. very it's very obviously built as an endurance motorcycle, but uh, I mean, no, it's a race bike. I mean, it's what like the Interceptor. Yeah. Became the the one thousand R. They're really rare. Yes. Uh, yep. But it's a good looking bike. It, it is. is. Yeah, I, I see I, one pop up on Craigslist for like extra tons of money for some reason. Every once in a while it pops up. Uh, I like the half fairing one. Yeah. Personally. <laughs> it's hmm. like Red Forks, huh? So um, next week we're going to have something special happening. We're going to have something happening. What's that? Something <laughs> happening. <laughs> well, uh, Emma and I are going to be going down south to Los Angeles to go do some interviews and do hmm. a special thing with Honda down Wait, there. Wait, Jim's not going to make it? Jim is not going to make it. What about Mike? Mike is not going to make it. Just you two ding-dongs? Just us two ding-dongs. Fuck. That's, yes. <laughs> right. Shit. Um, but, Knock, you've got your own little trip planned. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm going to be in McMinnville, Oregon, uh, hanging out with my friend Sam. And on Sunday, we're going to be at the McMinnville Mack Track, uh, go-kart track, to do a track day. Wait, uh. McMinnville Mack Track? Yeah, well, the McMinnville Mack Track. The Mack Track five times fast. The Mack Track at McMinnville. What's they, a Mack Track? Mack Track. Oh, Mack Track. Yeah. What's a Mack Track? It's a track. It's, uh, it's a number four with extra cheese. And- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's just a go-go kart track in McMinnville, Oregon. They call it the Mack Track, and okay. uh, it's apparently super fun. I've never been there. I'm gonna take it my XR. And my Ninja 650, and we're going to fucking ride around on Sunday. And, like, the couple days before, Dude. we're just going to putz around in the Oregon Hills like a bunch of ding-dongs. So. Nice. nice. It'll be fun, yeah. Um, if you are in the area, and if you want to hang out at the track, uh, come and hang out. It's only 50 bucks. Uh, there's a 650. That's a great price. Yeah, and it's a 650cc uh, displacement maximum. And where is this at again? McMinnville, Oregon. <laughs> at the Mack Track. The Mack Track. At McMinnville, Oregon. <laughs> but yeah, come on down and say hi. Uh, we're probably going to do an interview or two and see what's going on. Talk to Sam and see, you know, how. Because he mm-hmm. started the organization, helped run the organization about a year ago. And he has, like, local races there. He'll have the uh, 166 races, the little uh, CL166 is there. Hmm. There's a whole league down there that does, hmm. like, oh. old school vintage racing. So, yeah. So, between your Ninja and your XR650R, which do you think you'll get better? track times on oh probably you know what i don't know i'm curious to know what that is like the 650 has got a really nice crank and so it's really stable in the corners but the xr knows uh, is good at pointing and squirting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you know, if you know those track terms don't uh, ever say that point again. And squirting like it pointed right at you <laughs> God, no the xr is really good at hard braking and it's really fun and easy to slide it into a turn and really fun and easy to shoot it out of a corner and you're just screaming out of the court the whole time and it's just shooting fun. And screaming that's right and which one has better <laughs> tires uh, same tires. They're both oh. pretty good. Yeah. That'll be an interesting you shootout. Said. Yeah. What's the weight yeah. difference? Yeah. Oh, the uh, 310 for the XR and 410 or 15 for the 650. Mm. Actually, no. You're not counting. There's um, knockways different yeah. on each bike. Yeah, right. Uh, on the XR 650R, his balls gain 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I got bigger boots on But he shits every time he gets on the XR, That's though. right. I got to make race balance. Then they shrink. That. That's yeah, right. Exactly. And so, Bagel, what are you going to be doing next week? So next week I will be running the garage and the podcast. Yeah, you are. Yes, and uh, yeah. Are so. we, we going to oh, hope sure. for more scooter scooterific? Uh, I'm going to see anything? what I can do. I'm going to try to see if I can rope some people in here and, and talk some scooters. Uh, if anybody is interested in talking scooters, feel free to send us an email or something and let us know. And yeah, man, put something together. I really. 
really enjoyed the last time you did the, the scooter show and i think yeah. a lot of other people said they enjoyed it and got a little more respect hopefully there's more people waving i'm i'm hoping mm-hmm. um the the only uh potential drawback is that there's a big scooter rally going on next weekend so it might be tough to get people down here but i'll see what i can do awesome well i think that about wraps it up um this is a time where we get to say thank you to everyone for listening thank you for your support um thank you to the listener who sent a donation in the name i should probably say this (laughs) oh yeah um I'll be honest, somebody sent a donation in the name of a friend whose birthday it was, mm. and I don't know who the friend is. So maybe I won't say her name, but I'm just going to say if you know who you are, thank you very much. It's uh, it's helping to pay for the brand new digital torque wrench oh, nice. that I added to the garage. That thing is cool. nice, dude. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's the pound range on that thing? I think it goes up to like yeah, 80. Okay. I was looking at it. I think it was from like six newton meters to 100 newton meters or something like that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it look, looks good. So I'm trying to upgrade. It's too many some buttons stuff. for for the people around here. <laughs> like two of them. <laughs> I know. No, we just need a hammer around here. Right. <laughs> but like I said uh, earlier, please send us emails. Let us know. I I really want to know what scenarios, uncomfortable situations and scenarios, motorcycle wise, that you've been in, so we can help share with people. You know, what would you do? What did you do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's always things like that, especially anytime it, it involves friends. Yeah. Did you ever Wu Tang kick a guy off your bike as he was trying to steal it from <laughs> <Right>? you? <laughs> I, I think it's interesting you go with Wu Tang instead of Bruce Lee. I, yeah, okay. Is that <laughs> yeah. okay? I get it now because Bruce Lee, I can imagine that would be a very well. Well handled uh, kick. Yeah. And the Wu Tang maybe is just more like flailing. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'll accept that it. answer. <laughs> and it more probably more yelling. Yeah. Hey, yeah. it gets the job done at the end. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, Wu Tang kick it is. So thanks to everyone for listening again. This is Eliza. This is Doc. Bagel. Brandon. Henry. And we are out of here. Cool. 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 cool.